Okay, again, I'll just ask uh, people if you're able to turn on your, your webcam. It would mean a lot to us. I don't hear anything. Okay, Rabbi Bravinder, we hear you. Um, and Ezra, I will be contacted. Okay. Do people hear me? Okay. I'm going to mute Rabbi Bravinder. Yes, we hear you. Good evening. I'm Rabbi Jeffrey Sachs, the director of Web Yeshiva and Atid. And thank you to all of you uh, around the world who are joining us, uh, the Web Yeshiva, the Web Yeshiva community online. Uh, it, it means a lot to us, uh, particularly to have so many of you in far flung places. I know that no matter where you are, whether you're here, you know, there are people at this very moment here in Israel who are in their safe rooms, particularly the folks in the north. Uh, particularly the folks up north who at the, at this very moment uh, seem to be uh, under focused threat from the north and are huddling down in their in their in their safe rooms uh, and those of us that are a little further away from points of danger uh, but yet are never far away from thoughts of danger uh, i know many of us have children friends, loved ones who are right now in, let's just be plain, in, in grave, in grave peril. And we're all aware of the grave peril that's facing the entirety of Medinat Yisrael and Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish state and the, and the Jewish people. Uh, and these are unprecedented times. Um, so we thought there's a lot happening right now in the news. I have one window open looking at all of you and another uh, on my phone looking at the constant constant uh, pings and dings and, sure and, and comments that are trying... that are coming in that are coming in um, as I'm sure you are. So we're going to try to keep it brief with a few words of of reflection, of chizuk, of strengthening ourselves if if we're able. Uh, and some words of Torah, and if, unfortunately, as it seems, the situation is not going to be coming to a speedy resolution, despite our fervent prayers, this might be something that we'll do from time to time to gather the Web Yeshiva community uh, to uh, together. Uh, Rabbi Bravinder, have we solved? Have we solved Rabbi Bravinder's sound problems? Is he able to hear us? Ezra, do we have that problem under control? Our Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Bravinder is here. Um, and uh, uh, particularly because he's been struggling a little bit with some with some health is issues. So we're we're happy to see him looking looking hearty, uh, despite those personal things and despite what we know are uh, you know, the, the weight of the current situation on him. So, so Rabbi Bravinder, uh, let us know. How are you doing during all this? What thoughts are you thinking? And, 
and what thoughts do you have for us that can help us understand what the Jewish people and nation are going through? Well, thank you, Rabbi Sachs. Uh, when they asked me to say a few words describing my feelings at this time, I, I didn't think I could say no. But on the other hand, I was unable to conjure up a reasonable sense of what is happening. We're confronted. We're confronted by real evil. Something which in most of my life, I thought didn't exist. I think people would, I always thought that people would see their way to reasonableness as something that made sense. And here I hear on the news that thousands of young people were slaughtered by an ongoing mob. I mean, when could that happen? When could that happen to us? I mean, not just that it happened, but that it was evil. Even, even the The mitzvah of Amalek, wiping out the Amalekites. Why, why are we supposed to wipe them out? I mean, can't we re-educate them? Can't we insist that they straighten out? But the terrorist says no. The terrorist says there's evil, or you could recognize it. But there's a kind of evil that cannot be tempered. It cannot be cannot be changed. There's just no way for it to become what it should be. Amalek, the Torah teaches us, cannot be rectified cannot be changed, cannot be improved. And even though in the last thousands of years, we've kind of lost touch with Amalek, and we've lost touch with the fact that there's evil that had to be undone, changed, uprooted. All of that is necessary in order to make a more stable and coherent kind of work. So I say to you, I have nothing to say. But I put up with this idea, put up with this idea that there's evil, not just in the world, but in my backyard. And that somehow I have to come to grips with it. 
That's the story of my first day in this in this war. Afterwards, there was a call up. A lot of soldiers. You know, these things don't always go exactly as we would like them to. But you know that the people my age who have children in the army and grandchildren in the army and great-grandchildren in the army. Imagine. Imagine they're all lining up. They're all joining forces. They're all going to do what it is that we have to do, that we have to do. So the second thing I see, which to me indicates that there could be light in the darkness, is the call-up, the fact that everybody joins in, the fact that we don't hear about people who are not showing up. So for me, the hope is only that the hope is that the light will somehow overwhelm the darkness, that the good will become a necessary component of our lives, and that we'll be able somehow to absorb what happened and to see our way clear to a new day and a better world. Thank you. Rabbi Bravinder, you were, you've been in the country a long time. I think most of us online either live abroad or, or are olim of, you know, one length or another. But you, you and Miriam, you came in Aliyah in 1965. We're going on nearing 60 years ago, 59 years ago. Um, you've seen a lot of things in this country. Some, some good, some better, some worse. Naturally, when this broke out on Shabbat, on Simchat Torah, uh, people's minds immediately went back to the Yom Kippur War, which had uh, occurred exactly 50 years and a day, had broken out exactly 50 years and a day, according to the Gregorian calendar. And of course, you know, the connection between Yom Kippur and, and, and Simchat Torah, uh, you have very distinct memories of that experience. And on different occasions, you've, you've spoken about it. Uh, I remember in the yeshiva, you used to you used to speak about the Six Day War, the Yom Kippur War. How does this what we're going through now? How do you see it differently? In what ways do you look back to those previous experiences and can mine certain insights and lessons that would be useful to us today? And in what days is that? What ways is this completely categorically different? I thought in the past that we would be able with a little bit of effort to make a to resolve the conflict with aza for example what happened now was i really don't think that you can resolve a conflict with evil and therefore, as difficult as it seems, and as there's nothing like this that ever happened, there's nothing that we underwent and 
we in Israel have underwent a lot. None of it is something that we can think clearly about. Again, I say, you know, I have no answers, only pain. I wish you all well. I'll, I'll turn now to our friend, Rabbi Gidon Rothstein, who if Rabbi Bravender has been here for a very long time, Rabbi Rothstein is quite literally a very, very fresh Ole Chadash, having only uh, only moved to the country, although he's been a frequent uh, long-time visitor. He is now an Israeli amongst us living in, in Yerushalayim. Rabbi Rothstein, among other things, teaches our Dafyomi, our Dafyomi uh, Shir, and I know many of you participate in that, either live or by archives, and are learning with him every day on, on Web Yeshiva. But uh, as somebody that brings a very fresh pair of eyes to the Israeli experience, as someone whose Tudat Zehut is still still shiny, uh, how are you? How has this experience been for you? What have, what have you uh, been, been experiencing? So the truth is I've been experiencing emotionally and then intellectually. Emotionally, I have to say, for me, thank God, and I, I fear to say it, but for me personally, there hasn't been the suffering so many others have suffered. And I feel terrible that others are suffering so much when, you know, I, I spent the morning in a miklat, davening, simple davening. And other than that, thank God. And, and, and I don't want to change that. But meanwhile, around me are people who, who are losing people, people who are spending many more hours in their in their rooms and in their miklat. So there's some of that here. There's a there's a, a I spoke to somebody today who was a high school student in '73, and I asked him. I said, "What was it like being here in '73?" He said it was so different because that was a war. I Meaning, it was off at the borders. It was soldiers. If you won, you won. If you lost, but you didn't feel it. But this is like people. And the idea and the thought of so many families, you know, and I'm beginning to hear about people I know who are losing children and grandchildren and great nephews who have lost. I, 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 doubt, I doubt there's a single one amongst us who is any further than one degree of separation from loss at this point. I think so that's true. right. I think that's right. But I think, uh, right, correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a very sad thing. Uh, as an intellectual matter, it happens to be the last Thursday night. So last Thursday night was before anything. We none of us knew what was coming. But I described, I described to some, I was talking to someone earlier about something that happened on Friday night. Uh, at right. Akafot on Friday night, I said, "You remember three days and a million years ago?" Right. Right. Well said. So I was talking about. I said we never study Vizota Bracha really because we sing on on There's no day for it. So I said, I want to just think about one pasuk from one verse from Vizoda Bracha from the last parsha in the Torah. The verse says, Yisrael, which is understood to mean that the Jewish people will have a king, meaning a king with a capital K, when the Rashi'am get together, Yisrael, when all the tribes of Israel come together. And I'll tell you what I said about it in a second. I want to speak about Achdut. Because I think that unity, I think that unity is a word that we bandy about too easily when it's more, it's vital. 
but it's more complicated, more difficult than, than we might think. But as I'm about to launch into this whole topic, uh, somebody raises their hand, literally this happened last Thursday, and said, what do you mean? Every time there's a war, we have great achdut, we have great unity. And I said, yes, but do we want to have to wait for a war to reach achdut, to reach unity? So it's a sad thing. We now, thank God, have great unity in the Jewish people. And we're being reminded, and it's, it's not to be, I don't belittle it at all, because it would be easy to have a, a, a nation that wouldn't even find unity. But a nation, again, that is remembered, and, for, and has remembered that the fights we've been having pale in comparison to what we have in common. And, 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 and to keep alive and to hope that we remember that Akhtur is like, you know, in a different context, a different tragedy. One said, you don't make peace with, with, with friends, you make peace with bitter enemies. But Akhtur unity is something that we try to develop with our closest people with whom we disagree greatly. We think yeah. back to that verse, Yachat Shiftei Yisrael, there were 12 tribes in the Jewish people. If you count the Levim and Kwanim, 13 or 14, and they didn't see the world the same way at all. They had their own views of the world. And the Pasuk of the verse is telling us that when we get to the nation of Israel the way it's supposed to be, is when we can remember that as much as our family members irritate us, maybe not your family members, I'm sorry if you have good families, I'll just, as much as my family members irritate me. Certainly being locked, locked. Certainly being locked together in a safe room. But exactly. Can, can, exactly. Can, can put, but they're put family. pressures to certain points. Yes, yeah, but they're family. And, and, and I'm not, you know, I've heard people, it's so tempting to start talking about who was wrong this way and who was wrong that way. And I firmly avoid any of that. It's not the time. But as we're rebuilding our Abdut, and, and as I hope, we're learning to keep that unity for the future. It's a function of remembering that you see the world completely wrong and you're completely crazy and I hate what you think about the world and you're my brother and you're my sister and you're my cousin and we have to live together and we have to enjoy each other even as we struggle to find the middle ground where we can work together and be together. So to me, as I watch people suffer, who've already suffered the loss and are finding it out, who are reeling from the law, who have continued issues that are going on, and we have a dark road ahead of us. I know, I know personally people on the front lines now who may be being sent into Aza, which is not going to be a simple thing at all. As we sit with trepidation, and as I pray to Hashem, I literally pray to Hashem for various kinds of miracles. My most recent miracle idea that I pray to Hashem for is, I think about the story of Sisra, in the in the in the book of Shoftim, and, and where where they wake up and they're all dead, right? That's what it says. And I imagine to myself, what if a virus swept through Aza, killing only terrorists? Hashem could do that, and be such a great thing. So I pray for it. I know it's going to happen, but I pray for all of us that as we move forward through what looks like it's going to be a long and protracted and difficult time, that we remember that this act that we have now. If it's only imposed by war, we're missing, we're missing, we're failing. And then we find a way to remember for ourselves that the Akdut, not the Akdut, the easy Akdut of, oh, I love you so much, you're so great. The harder Akdut of, you may be irritating, you may think things that I think are extremely wrong, and nonetheless, you're my brother, you're my sister, right. and we have to find ways to live together. Right. Rabbi I would never accuse you of burying the lead, but it's um, particular, your words, I think, particularly strike home and strike the heart 
because this crisis comes at a moment of particular lack of achdut, at least uh, here, here in Israel, because of the recent political uh, tribulations. And I totally agree. About, I was only trying uh, to be not political, but yes, I, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I I'm to not their credit, either, but to it's, their it's, credit, yeah. to their credit, I think people on both sides of the equation have said that. I yeah. said, yeah. have said, look how silly it was that we we're fighting over those stupid things. Right, right, right. And you know, you think of this, uh, this uh, minyan that took place in Tel Aviv, and the, yeah. and the terrible, the terrible uh, uh, strife that that caused just a couple of days ago. It seems like ancient, ancient history. And then today, yeah. you see that one of the very beautiful things I saw today, uh, you know, non-kosher restaurants. I don't know if the proprietors were out there protesting non-kosher restaurants, their kitchens for a day. They're not going kosher. They're not being chozer b'tshuva, right? Chabad didn't get to them, but they're kashering their kitchen for a day or two or a week so they can prepare meals that will be sent to soldiers so the yeah. soldiers will be allowed allowed to eat. It's, 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 it's incredible. Beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, thing. A beautiful and, and on the other, and on the other hand, I had to go into Yerushalayim to, 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 to help out with certain things today. And you see, I saw young, youngerlite, as they're called, Haredi youth, who's, who's, you know, let's be, let's be clear. Their fathers and brothers are not serving in the army. They're not in the same peril that, that my son and other people's sons are in. Uh, they're out on the street giving out Israeli flags and bumper stickers and collecting donations on behalf of, on behalf of, of Chayalim. Uh, so, you know, it comes in from all, from all directions. Uh, so that's, let me, let me just ask you one other question before we, before we move on. You, you, of course, teach the Dafyomi to be a teacher of Dafyomi, to be a student of Dafyomi and Kalvachomer to be a teacher of Dafyomi requires a certain degree of, uh, of OCD. You have to be a little obsessive compulsive to, to keep up with it, to be constantly preparing, to be always ready to teach. It's a tremendous commitment, uh, which you execute, of course, with, with great passion and responsibility. Uh, and of course, we believe, as you said, your prayer and Talmud Torah and good deeds are another way. It's another front on which we on which we're able to mount this struggle alongside, of course, uh, the Pshuto Shal Mikra of Harbi Vakashti. Right with sword and with bow, with weapons and with war, prayer is also a way. Limud Torah, Torah study for those that are unable to to be involved in these efforts in other ways. Learn Torah, learn Torah with us on Web Yeshiva, wherever you are, and certainly for those of you that are that are overseas, uh, you know you can help out financially. There's great need if you're unable to to contribute yourself. You're able to help raise money. Uh, and to, to spread to spread the true news and not the fake news. Jeff, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, but um, but uh, but but Torah study is of course an important schut that we have to add to our. Thing. But how do you do that? How do you keep focused on what you have to do with Torah study? when the reality of what we're doing is such a huge, such a huge distraction. I sat down this morning to try to do some garden variety work, the type of, the type of work I would have been doing had the world not come unraveled. Every three minutes, you have to check the headlines. 
every every 30 seconds you, you look to see the, the the flash that's coming across the phone how do you discipline yourself uh to do that work of prayer and, and torah study uh, that's so important and in order to add to our collective merits yeah i don't know i mean i think the answer is I think the answer for me is that I've just developed a routine and I have this list in my head and I can't let myself go until I've done it. And the things that, those other things, there comes a point where I have to say to myself, sorry, you know, I say in the house a lot, it's time to go to learn the DAF because the DAF isn't gonna learn itself. So I gotta learn the DAF because the DAF isn't gonna learn itself. And so we just, uh, yeah, I think it's a question of that. It's a question of, I think that, I think there are things, you know, no matter how distracted you are, you brush your teeth in the morning, right? No matter how distracted you are, eventually get around taking a shower. I think that we have to just start setting you know, the Rambam talks about the verse says, and he talks about you have to have time set up in the morning and the evening for Torah study. It has to be just come a part of, of our routine in the sense of, I can't live my day without this. You know, I recently had an injury and I had to stretch or whatever it was, I do some exercise, which, you know, it doesn't fit well with my schedule, all of the next 20 minutes of my day, I had to make sure it happened because otherwise I was hurting all over the place. I think we have to get to a point where we think of tefillah and of Talmud Torah and Torah study and those went. You know, Rabbi Akiva was known to have said that story about the fish in water, right? Torah is our water and we are the fish. And uh, we may not know it, but we're, we're suffocating without it. So we have to just make sure that we find some Torah study and put it in our schedule and make it irrevocably part of our schedule. That's the best I can come up with. Well, thank you, Rabbi Rothstein, and to all of our teachers for giving the Web Yeshiva community the daily dose of uh, of oxygen, of air to breathe. We'll turn now to uh, to your colleague on the Dafyomi team, uh, Rabbanit Dr. Tamara Spitz. Um, Tamara, you, like I, are here in Gush Etzion, Um And if I'm, I'm sorry, if I'm not mistaken, you also have sons that are no doubt been called up. So just let us know they are as uh, best of our knowledge they're they're okay and they're safe and they're yes yes um i have uh, four boys who have uh, who have been called up to the army um i have uh two that are in uh on the border meaning one up north uh, and one down south um and two that are in the middle of the country um and uh it, baruch hashem they uh three of them i've been in touch with one of them is uh up north i haven't heard from him in a few days but uh it was expected so bezrat hashem they're all safe but uh these are very very challenging times very challenging so tell us you know share with us some of your the thoughts that have been going through your head in the in the 10 years that have passed since this past shabbat Okay, um, I, I want to share, I think, two, two different things. Uh, I want to share some Torah uh, that has given me personally uh, comfort. Uh, and I want to share an experience that I had today uh, that I also hope will, will you know, shed some light uh, and, and give some people some comfort. I, I do have to be honest, like others have said, uh, this evening that, uh, when I was asked to, to speak in this, uh, incredible forum, I have to say that it was, uh, for me, I, it was very daunting. 
uh, trying to think of how I can strengthen others when uh, I'm just trying to strengthen myself uh, and my family and my students around me. Uh, but I think that um, when one tries to to channel that positive energy, I, I think it not only helps the people you're talking to, but it helps it helps yourself as well. Um, so I want to share um, two ideas from the Nitivot Shalom uh, on this week's parsha. Um, this week we're going to be reading uh, Parshat Breshit. Uh, we did, as you said, uh, you know, ten years ago on Shabbat. Uh, we did begin reading Breshit, and we read about the creation of the world. Uh, and I, I think very starkly, we're uh, you know, we read different verses differently based on uh, what we're experiencing. And if you look at the Torah, it starts uh, with telling us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the second verse says. Uh, and the earth, uh, right? The earth is uh, chaos, and there is choshech. There's darkness, um, and um, the divine spirit, ruach elokim, mirachefet al pnei hamayim, is uh, is um, right. The divine presence is kind of hovering over the water, uh, and the the third verse says. Right, Vayomer Elohim, and God said, Yihi or, there should be light. Vayihi uh, or, and there was light. Uh, and I think in uh, these days, these words are very stark. Uh, this idea of chaos being around us uh, and looking for light. And the, the Nitivot Shalom tells us, it's interesting that the Torah starts with this idea that God created the heavens and the earth. Why is that important? Uh, and he says that the world, but also mankind, has two parts to us. The heavenly parts, uh, the shamayim, which is the, the spiritual side of us, our souls, and the, the land, the aret, the physical parts of us. Um, and the aret, right, the physical world around us, is in chaos, is tohu vavohu. Um, and when that happens, um, it's important uh, to recognize that God created light. That there needs to be light. There's a divine light uh, in this world, and it's important for us to look for it. Uh, and I think that that's something that gives me great hope and inspiration, is finding those moments of light. Uh, I think that they can be in different forms, for different people, uh, for some people, it's about prayer, and and you know I've had um, tens, if not hundreds, of people texting me that we're praying for you, we're praying for your children, and that's something that is, um, you know, that that supports us uh, on on so many levels. Um, there's Torah, as you mentioned uh, earlier. There's learning Torah, which is related. Uh, the the Chazal say that it is like light. Uh, the Torah gives us light and inspires us. Uh, and finally, I think it's about the acts of kindness. I think it could be from sending a heart emoji to your friend. Um, to uh, this, I'll, I'll just share this afternoon, um, about 300 um, residents of the South arrived uh, to a neighboring community in Gush Etzion, in Kfar Etzion, um, and they put out a request for people to come and help. Uh, first of all, they requested donations of clothing, and they asked people to come and help 
Uh, and I, I went this afternoon to help organize um, clothing from babies clothing to adult clothing. Um, I went to go buy socks and underwear for these people and it really is um, such a sense of strength to see First of all, the generosity of people from all over the world who are subsidizing these uh, projects um, and the, the volunteers who come. I really I was working alongside 12 year olds who are folding clothing uh, to grandmothers and grandfathers who are giving out um, whatever they could to the people around us. Uh, so I, I really feel that this is a time of, of unity, as you've mentioned, of light. Uh, and it's important, I think uh, Rabbi Sachs mentioned checking the news every two seconds. Uh, I'll say for me, I can't do it. Um, you know, I check I check the, the news when I can, but uh, it's also important to kind of turn it off for a little bit and, and focus on uh, the things that give you strength and the things that um, inspire you. So those, those are my thoughts. <laughs> well, as a, as a mother, uh, of uh, of multiple sons serving the army, we wish you the ability to focus on anything that will get you through each and every each and every moment. And together with my sons, your sons, all of our sons and daughters, and all of the United Israel, we're all davening for a better time. So that's Abanita, Doctor Tamara Spitz, who teaches our our daf our daf shivui. Once a week, she summarizes uh, both uh, uh, going going uh, horizontally and also going uh, vertically uh, deep dive in what's been happening in the Dafyomi that week. And you know you can you can join that to add more merits of Torah study. But we're going to now turn to distant, far off, far off uh, Toronto uh, to our friend Rav Daniel Kropkin. Here he is. Uh, Rabbi Kropkin does a variety of things. He teaches the Mordevuchim for us uh, on Web Yeshiva. He writes a weekly uh, Parsha column, and he is our Canadian correspondent, as it were. Um, you know, look, as uh, Daniel, as hard as this was for all of us, um, you know, in a very different way, you can only imagine what it must have been like to be in your shoes leading a very large uh, uh, North American community. I presume that news of what was happening here in Israel reached you on, by the time you woke up on, on Saturday morning and you had to lead your congregation at the Bayit, uh, which has multiple minyonim and hundreds and hundreds of people must've been passing through the building on, on Simchas Torah. What, what was that like? How did you, how did you rise to that task to be the pastor of that very confused flock? We're just going to unmute you. There you yeah. go. Okay, thank you. Um, first, just want to say, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. wanted to say um, that I am um, exceedingly humbled to be on this call. Um, um, my wife and I have children in Israel and grandchildren. But um, the fact that we're not there with you physically is um, makes us feel um, ex extremely inadequate 
to be able to contribute to this conversation. And I think that that's what a lot of Jews in Chutz Laaretz are experiencing. We want to be there with you um, and we want to be on the front lines as well. We know that we can't, um, but uh, we are doing whatever is humanly possible to be there uh, to, to support you. Um, as far as you know, what life was like, um, first of all, we found out, I found out Shabbat morning um, the same time that most of you did, simply because my next door neighbor and former president of our shul uh, got a phone call 4 a.m. Uh, on Shabbat morning from his son, who was called up to, to active duty. So, um, uh, actually, I'm sorry, who is, um, who is serving in the army. He's got two sons. One is serving in the army and one is a reservist who is supposed to get married next week and that wedding is postponed. So he came to pick me up for the Hashkama Minyan, um, one of the many Minyanim at the Bayit um, on Shemini Atzeret, um, and just told me what's going on because he had to answer the phone by getting, you know, knowing that his son would never call him on Shabbat unless it was an emergency. Yeah. So he was able to, able to get the lowdown. Um, we announced it in shul and there was a tremendous amount of, um, of confusion and of fear uh, about what was going on. And so we tried our best to keep up a good um, exterior and to give people chizuk, but you know, until we really found out what was going on, it was quite uh, harrowing. Um, and the police came and, um, and uh, tried to offer us additional reassurances. And um, so that's where we are. And since then, I can tell you that whatever is humanly possible for us to do from a distance, we are trying our best. I know in the Toronto Jewish community, um, there have been kinusim um, for tefillot every single night uh, since then in various communities, usually together I, at the Bayit, we've been davening uh, every single night uh, with multiple uh, Batei Knesset joining us. Um, there was Monday night, uh, a huge gathering of about 15,000 people at, at a square uh, in the center of town um, with uh, major, major uh, leaders and politicians to show solidarity with Israel. And you have to know that Canada is not like the United States. Canada has a, um, as far as the proportion of between Muslims and Jews, there's at least five times as many Muslims in Canada as there are Jews. And that proportion is becoming more and more disparate as time goes on and as Canada opens its borders to more immigrants. So the fact that uh, Canada still stands with Israel is should not be taken lightly. And we're trying right. our best to, to push forward. Right. Uh, this Shabbat, you're going to have to get up in the pulpit, going to have to address your congregation. And again, like I said, by it is a, is a, it's a mega shul, uh, you know, with a week's added distance, you know, what's, what's your message going to be? What are you, what are you guiding and counseling and, and, and shepherding your balabatim, uh, towards? What's the challenge, the charge that you're giving them aside from obviously support Israel and contribute and all of those things? Yeah, well, um, that's a good question. And maybe I'll try some some material out on this crowd and you'll <laughs> let me know how it, I should, how it I, works. Even, even in a normal week, I shouldn't presume a rabbi has his drusher ready by Wednesday. 
you know, uh, it's times like this where a rabbi has to pray for siyata dishmaya for heavenly aid to know the right words and to make sure that he is sensitive on the one hand and emotive and and connecting with his kihila and providing words of inspiration. So, you know, I'm looking at the first parsha of the Torah and it's a bit depressing because the very opening chapters of humankind uh, starts with murder and starts with bloodshed. Um, and that seems to be the, 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 the fate of mankind, as it were, that we are doomed, that we are consigned to, to fall and to descend into evil. But the thing, there are, there are points of inspiration as well. Um, but I, the, the one pasuk that I was focusing on is when God turns to, to Cain and he says to him, Me'asita, what did you do? That the bloods of your brother are crying out to me from the soil. The, 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 the blood-drenched soil is crying out to me, Hashem says. That God does never, never forgets the blood that is soaked into the soil, especially into the holy soil of Eretz Yisrael. Um, the, the Talmud says that it doesn't say dam achicha, it says demei achicha, the bloods in the plural of your brother. So one of the lessons that our sages take from that, from the Talmud Yerushalmi and Sanhedrin, is that kol ha-me'abed nefesh achat, that if you spill the life of even one person, ma'alina lav ki'ilu ibed olam malay, it's as if you destroyed an entire world because of that person's potential descendants have also been lost. But conversely, that if you give, if you save the life of even one person, which is what our sons and daughters are doing right now, it is as if you saved an entire world, that because every person is an olam male. And it, it's very difficult for anyone to be comforted by the loss of a Rahman al-Litzlan, a child, a parent, a sibling, or even a friend. Everyone is a mourner in Klal Yisrael today, uh, but every single life that has been lost was a holy korban, that was a pikadon, that was given, their soul was given for safekeeping in this world. And we're all souls placed in this world for a temporary safekeeping. Somehow, you know, we don't read about it in the, in the parasha. The Torah doesn't tell us how Adam Harishon was able to be comforted over the loss of his son Hevel. But somehow he was able to commence building the world and we will as well. We will continue building. We will continue to be strong despite the tremendous pain that we're in. Um, so that's one idea. Um, the other thought that I had about Cain and Hevel was that according to the Midrash, they, the reason why they got into an altercation in the first place is because they tried to split the world between themselves. They saw themselves as custodians of the entire planet. And Cain said, I'll take all the real estate. And Hevel said, I'll take all of the metaltalin. I'll take all of the chattel and all of the movable items. And um, they, they couldn't get along. Cain could never be satisfied with owning only half the things in the world. And we see that human nature is that no matter how much a person has, he can't be happy if he perceives that his neighbor has more. And that's this, always been the source of hatred towards the Jewish people. And it can never end until one of us is gone from this world and it's not going to be the Jewish people. 
The Jewish people are an amnitzchi, we are an eternal nation. And so we have the, the duty, we have the responsibility to completely put an end to this, um, to this rivalry. And then the last thing I wanted to reflect upon, and again, I'm, I'm always happy to take the feedback, is that to emphasize that your brothers and sisters in Chutz Laaretz are with you, Am Yisrael, are with you, Achenu. Um, we just, uh, besides the, the tefillot that we've been doing every night, uh, just last night, uh, you could find if you went to the local Walmart or the local um, uh, drug mart, you would find uh, hundreds and hundreds of Jews because we just were able to, we were told in, a, in just a matter of hours, there was a chartered plane that was going to be taking hundreds and hundreds of duffel bags of toiletries and clothing to Israel to provide for the Chayalim and just to provide humanitarian aid. And literally thousands of Jews came to both the Bayat Arshul and to another drop-off uh, further south in Toronto. And hundreds and hundreds of duffel bags were loaded onto a plane last night. Um, it, the fact is that when we look at the story of creation, what we're looking at is a story of division. God creates one unity, and then the whole story of, of the Bria, the Sikshesheshit is God just dividing and dividing and dividing. Well, one thing that was never divided was Am Yisrael. Who was like your nation, Israel, who are one people in the lands, just like you are unitary, God, the Jewish people are unitary. We did over Sukkot something called the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, the water drawing. And our sages tell us that the reason why we poured water on the Mizbeach is because ever since God created a firmament to divide between the upper waters and the lower waters, the lower waters are constantly striving to, to reconnect. There is a drive within those things that have been divided to come back together. And Klal Yisrael has been divided over these last several months. And there is now a drawing, a drawing closer that we are all feeling together, sort of to like this gravitational magnetic force that is pulling all of us back together. We are with you, the Jews of the diaspora. We are with you in your pain. We are with you in your strength. We are. We hear all of the cries. We hear all of the, the, the encouraging words of strength, and we are with you. So thank you. I, thank I, you. There's, there's, a lot more, there's a lot more to go on, but I'm going to stop here. Well, I'm, we're sure you will mine a, a very fine sermon out of that out of that material. Uh, this Shabbat. Apologies. Uh, uh, there's some confusion here. About whether or not we're experiencing uh, an azaka, uh, but I'm already in my safe room, but the rest of my family might be joining us momentarily. But it, we are essentially at the end of our uh, at the end of our our program. I thank all of you that have joined us from from all over the world, uh, particularly those of you here with us in in Israel, our tefillot together, uh, joined by those tefillot of our our friends and brothers and sisters abroad, uh, that we should all be safe, that the Jewish people should be safe, that the Jewish state should be safe and secure, and and uh, and we should move on from this trauma. I mean, even if even if God should send a, a solution right now, and we wouldn't add even one more fatality to the body count, uh, we're still talking about uh, an event of epically tragic proportion. There have already been more than 
twice as many Jewish souls lost as as the entire Six Day War put together. Um, it's uh, it's it's just it's unimaginable. It's just un unimaginable. And we thank you, uh, Rabbi Bravender and Rabbi Krapkin, and Rabbi Rothstein, and Rabbi H. Spitz, uh, for your words of Torah and and uh, and chizuk. Um, and again, everybody should do what they can to help friends, loved ones, uh, those of you abroad, to help those of us that are here, those of you that are abroad, to help keep the strong support for Israel in in your communities and in your and in your and in your nations. And uh, one of the ways to do this, of course, is through is through is through fighting. And we hold the hands of those that that are on the line. And one way to do this is to support those that are fighting and those that have the means should do so. And one way to do this is, of course, to pray to Davin. It's it's a Jewish resource. It's a Jewish it's a Jewish weapon. And another thing to do, of course, is to study Torah. And wherever you're studying Torah, God bless you. Web yeshiva. Because we are a virtual yeshiva, we can keep our doors open as we as we did during Corona. Uh, we will during this uh, this episode. And we have a new zman that's starting, a new semester that's starting. And visit us at webyeshiva.org. And we hope that we'll be able to keep all of our regular scheduled programming up and running throughout all of this. God willing. So join us if you're already one of our one of our regular students. Sign up for next year. They're free. Uh, take it, learn it, learn it live and interactive. Learn it through the archives. Go back through our archives. Commit yourself to studying something that interests you. That's there. And I'll tell you a secret. Even if you're doing an archived course from long ago, in a, the teacher is always willing and happy to hear from you with your questions as you go through the material at your at your own pace. And do this in the merit of Shalom Al Yisrael. Thank you all very much. Uh, thank you all very much. And we hope to hear from you and see you again soon. We'll leave the, we'll leave the classroom open a bit if people want to chat, want to open your microphones and speak or add something in the, in the, uh, in the chat box. Thank you very much.